Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Welcome back. It's good to be here. This is Maximize Your Influence, episode 231. Kurt Mortensen here as we take a deep dive and teach you how to maximize your persuasion, influence, self-persuasion, motivation, you name it. Let's maximize it. Let's do better. Let's have a great year. Appreciate the comments and email. In fact, we have some listener email today we're going to get into. As we talk about some different techniques of persuasion and influence, little housekeeping here. I can be reached at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. The podcast website is MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And on YouTube, it's MaximizeYourInfluence. So pretty easy stuff to remember as we go through this. And the promotion going on right now is the latest edition of Maximize Your Influence. This is the English version at LawsOfInfluence.com. It's free. Spend a few bucks on shipping and handling and let us send it out to you. That is our housekeeping. I've had a great week. There was no travel. I don't think I had any webinars. Did a little teaching on the college level, but uh, pretty stress-free. Got me a little chance to dive back into the book I've been writing about a persuasion and influence system on a micro-step level, so you know when and where to use each technique, when to adjust, when to change, and how to really read your prospects. So, got back into that. Let it been sitting there gathering dust for a few months, but I'm back in. I'm doing it, and I'll let you know when I put finishing touches on that, because I love your feedback. So let's get into our geeky article. This comes to us from Rice University and the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology that a little anger in negotiation pays. By the way, if you want to take a look at these articles, they are always linked at the podcast at Maximize Your Influence. And of course, we're on Spotify and iTunes. Hit the like button and show a little love. So interesting that during negotiations... High-intensity anger elicits smaller concessions than moderate-intensity anger. So this is the study. Okay, let's look at different levels of anger. Does it work? Does it not work? And they found it all came back to the intensity, the emotional display. Are you in control or out of control with your anger? So they found that that moderate-intensity anger, so you're angry but still in control. You're not dropping profanity or throwing things or making fun of someone's mother, okay, that's bad anger, because that reduces concessions. I'm not sure how they gauge this. I guess that's what the scientists are for. But moderate intensity anger was perceived as tough. High intensity was inappropriate and less effective, and it led to worse feelings about the negotiation relationship, which we know that when people are out of control, angry, upset, they lose touch of reality because all the blood's left their brain. That's not going to help you out. But the research and the studies they showed, they did this with 226 people across the United States. They found that when anger intensity increased, the concessions people made also increased. But that certain point when anger got out of control, that's when concessions decreased. So pretty simple study. Anger's Okay. And they described it as a tough anger, so it's okay to get a little angry, show a little emotion. It's just when you're out of control, 
That's when you lose concessions. That's what hurts the negotiation. That's when you don't reach agreement. So that is our article of the day. And let's get into our reader email. Do we have a sound for that? Somebody sound, go. Ooh, this sounds good. Sarah from St. Louis. I guess it's a suburb of St. Louis, but we'll go with Sarah from St. Louis because it's a good ring to it. An email about something she's been noticing the last few years is that some people got it, some people don't. And that's been bothering her, that some people have the same education, the same leads, the same office, the same hardware, the same intelligence. Well, so we think. I guess we don't really know on that one. They put in the same hours, but some people accomplish two, three, four, five times more than that person. What is the difference? Well, Sarah, it also depends what side of you. Are you the one accomplishing five times more, or are you judging yourself against that person? That can be problematic. I mean, you've got to do what you do best. But we've seen that quite a bit. Same leads, same size territory, same amount of hours, same degree. And some people just accomplish two, three, four times more. Remember we talked about that last episode in 2.30, how to accomplish 10 times more in half the amount of time. And remember, you can get to the archives for free at InfluenceUniversity.com, also home of our 52-week Power Persuasion PhD program. Take a look at that for a shameless plug of the day. So, Sarah, it's true. I'm glad you're noticing it because it's not all equal and people get mad. Well, it should be equal. Everything should be equal. Well, even if you gave someone the same amount of leads, the same amount of education, people are going to do different things with their time. They have different skills. And this has been a source of my study for a long time to figure out, okay, what is it that very, very successful people have that average people don't have? What's going on? What's happening? And that's when I started researching charisma. It was interesting when Laws of Charisma was translated into Korean, we happened to have a Korean exchange student at the time, and I asked them, what does this title mean? Because when you get books translated to different languages, it's amazing the pictures and the translations and things that start to happen. For example... Persuasion IQ in Polish has a guy with a smoking gun. <laughs> Maximum influence in Spanish has all these sheep jumping off a cliff together. Okay, if they read the book, they would know that is not my intent. That is not what I want to do. And of course, they could decide the title and the picture and the content. Kind of lose that right as an author. And, you know, that's what they get to do. And it's interesting how some people translate different things. So in this Korean edition... Charisma was translated as hidden energy, and I loved that title, hidden energy. What is that hidden energy that gives you the extra something, something that makes you achieve more, accomplish more, sell more, be more, be motivated more, and that was the concept of charisma. And as I thought about hidden energy and Sarah from St. Louis, your email, I want to talk about a few of these things that will make a huge difference and your ability to persuade and influence. And of course, these are all going to be soft skills today. But as you take a look at these, I want you to pick one of them that you can work on. This is the hidden energy. This is the difference. This is why people are more successful than other people, especially those that have to work with other people as leaders, as managers, as salespeople, as persuaders, as negotiators. This is what makes a difference. The first one is passion. You are excited to convert people to your cause. You can't be swayed by the opinions of others. When someone says, dumb idea, that won't work, I don't like it, it doesn't matter. You know it's right. It's in your heart. It gets you excited. It gives you a sense of mission. It drives you. 
More than anything else, passion recruits the hearts and minds of your audience. When your audience can sense your passion, your heartfelt conviction for your cause or your product, they emotionally jump on board. We love people who are excited, animated, and full of passion. Because if they're bored, it's not their fault, it's your fault. That passion recruits their hearts. I would rather have you make a few mistakes in your presentation and not be as polished and have you truly believe in your message and not use note cards or something that sucks the life out of you. Use passion. You're excited about this. When you have that passion, you're more effective in swaying opinion and getting people to support your product, service, cause, or idea. Whatever it is, that passion, they have to feel it, sense it, taste it, touch it, feel it, whatever it is. That's what passion does. In my workshops, I've had people stand up and talk about their passion. I've seen anything from Michael Jackson to frozen yogurt. Here's a presentation on frozen yogurt, but there was so much passion. Where to go? Across the street, lunchtime, the flavors to get. And guess what everybody did at lunch? They went and got frozen yogurt. I even saw one on scrapbooking. I hate to tell you guys that I'm not a scrapbooker. Never really got it. But she was so passionate and talked about it, I started to get it. I could see why she loved it. Now, I still probably will never do it, but I moved a couple notches towards her message because of her passion. So here's the question I want you to ask yourself when you're conversing with coworkers or on a team or selling a product or negotiation or giving a presentation. It doesn't matter. Here's what I want you to think about. Are you singing the song or are you singing the words? Let me repeat that. Are you singing the song or are you singing the words? Are you just going through the motions because you've done it a hundred times? Are you truly feeling the words of the songs? Can they know that you're feeling the words of the songs? That is passion. So you're like, well, Kurt, how do I get passion? Well, you got to become a product of the product, first of all, and really believe in what you're doing and maybe even evaluate what you're doing if you can't get behind the product. Getting that belief, getting away from customer service, meaning customer service is great, by the way, but... Sometimes when you're around customer service issues, all you hear is the one half of 1% negative and not the 99% that are happy with what you're doing. So that could be reading success stories, interviewing success stories, that could be becoming more knowledgeable about the product or service. That could increase passion in understanding that emotion and understanding how it's solving problems and what it's doing for other people or ways to increase your passion. If you can't tap into that, Life's hard. Persuasion's hard. Maybe you need to reconsider something you're more passionate about or take a deeper dive in the knowledge, into the success stories, and using the product more yourself. Now, a subset of passion is enthusiasm. I love what Norman Vincent Peale said. When one gets enthusiastic, the entire personality lights up. The mind becomes sharper, more intuitive. The entire life force and creative ability are enhanced. Isn't that awesome? Or what Emerson said, nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. Now, we have to talk about, okay, what's the difference between enthusiasm and hype? Well, hype is lots of Red Bull or fake energy, fake enthusiasm. They're just trying to be excited because they think they're supposed to be excited, but they're not really excited. That becomes hype, and that does repel people. Because enthusiasm does fall under the umbrella of passion. But you can be enthusiastic without having passion. When you have passion, however... You're full of enthusiasm. That doesn't mean you're bouncing around like a new puppy dog, but it isn't described as a strong excitement or feeling on behalf of a cause or a subject. I love the Greek word of enthusiasm. It's translated to be inspired by God. Isn't that interesting? 
So when you have this enthusiasm, or lack of it, it is contagious. Enthusiasm affects people so much they feel your energy and excitement. Some study shows that enthusiasm accounts for 51% of all persuasion and electrifies everyone around you. And you can also gain enthusiasm by gaining information and knowledge, believing in yourself, tapping into your emotions, and learning how to express those. Another part of that hidden energy is optimism. It's no secret that optimistic people, they live longer, they're happier, they stay in relationships longer, they perform better, they make more money, have a better outlook at life, are healthier. We can prove that with studies. Now, sometimes we meet someone that's so optimistic, everything's perfect, everything's rosy, that you want to hit them. (laughs) Don't hit them, but realize you could be that person. Optimism's a good thing. I'm all about that. And it's more than just having that positive mental attitude. Remember that guy a few episodes ago I talked about sitting on the couch with a positive mental attitude saying, I'm the best. People like me. I'm wealthy. Doing the affirmations. Well, I'm a believer in affirmations, but that's a form of delusion if you don't have an action plan. I think that's where some people think optimism comes into play. Because it's not constantly saying positive things to yourself and hoping they'll come true. Here's the key. True optimism is a frame of reference that governs how you look at the world. It means you have this expectation that for the most part, things eventually are going to be okay. And that eventually you're going to accomplish the things that you want to. It means you can see the positive in all situations. You're always moving forward. You know that there's going to be disappointment and negative feelings, but you're not going to focus on those. You know there's going to be some failures and setbacks along the way, but you're looking around the corners. You're expecting what's going to happen. And you know eventually things are going to work out. See, an optimist sees failure as temporary. A pessimist sees failure as permanent. Basically, with optimism, you know you can bounce back sooner rather than later. People want to be around optimistic people. Are you the type of person that motivates people? They can see the vision. They can see themselves doing it. They have more hope. They're more excited. They're happier. Or are you the pessimist that's sucking the life out of people, that's showing all the negatives, all the reasons it's going to fail. No one wants to be around that person. Now, you want to have a little mix of both. You want to look around the corners just in case there could be setbacks, there could be failures, but you want to hold on to that optimism where you know eventually it's going to work out. You have that frame of reference, which is always very contagious. And a subset of optimism is attitude. Oh yeah, we've heard about attitude before, but people don't realize that that's a big part of who you are. A lot of people just start neutral when they wake up in the morning. They get cut off, they're chameleons, they absorb the attitudes of others, or they didn't get enough sleep and that affects their attitudes and it's reflected in others and we just become other people's attitudes and that's not what successful people do. That's not part of your hidden power. You've got to have a good attitude. Now here's the key. Attitude comes from your expectations. What you expect affects your attitudes. If you expect to have a rotten day to get cut off, To fail, to be rejected, it's probably going to happen. Look at the law of expectations and maximum influence. What we believe tends to happen, and that's true with our attitude. Attitude comes from your expectation, and it gets reflected. So that's part of something that we can work on to have that hidden energy, to work on our attitude that makes us more optimistic. Key factors in your success and development as a power persuader. And interestingly enough, all of these are pieces of becoming more charismatic, having that hidden energy. And talking about energy, I love what Jerry Spence says. 
Jerry Spence, I don't know if you know him. He's a lawyer out of Wyoming. He's been on TV shows like news shows before. He wears a actually a one of those old-style cowboy leather jackets. Never lost a case. And he's been really interesting. I've studied him with persuasion and influence because he's got some great insights. I love what he says about energy and charisma. He says, charisma is energy from the heart zone. Charisma is the passing of our pure energy to the other. So back to that energy. What are you transferring? Is it negative? Is it positive? Is it nothing? Does nobody notice you when you enter the room means you could have little or no energy. So there's a lot about energy, having energy. We can go into your health plan. We can go into emotions and other things. But let's focus on these today, that hidden energy. Sarah from St. Louis, that is the difference. So if you pick a few of those, is it passion? Is it that enthusiasm that helps passion? Is it being optimistic? Is that attitude? What is it in that energy that you need to focus on that you need to work on? We can't say, oh, some got it, some don't. No, we can learn these skills. Anything with charisma, we can learn. Some of these skills you have naturally and some you can learn. That's how you become a better persuader. So Sarah, thanks for your feedback. And for that, I'll send you the 52-week program of Influence University. I'll send you the membership details for that. Appreciate your feedback, thoughts, and advice. Again, that's Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. So maybe we're a little out of order this week. I think it's time for the blunder. Homer, go! Don't, don't, don't! All right, this is the blunder. And it happened to me, this was a few weeks ago, a large pizza conglomerate who has discovered the niche that some people want to cook their own pizzas. Because when it comes out, it's hot, it's good to go, you don't have to wait for it. It's all timed, and that's something that my family enjoys. Let's cook it, let's plan it, let's time it. We feel more in control. And so I was at this pizza store getting the pizzas. Usually I order ahead of time and they're waiting for me. That's more my style. I'm not a big line person. But I was driving by like, oh, yeah, I need to pick those up. So I pulled in and, of course, they had their specials. And I'm like, you know, that sounds good. I will take the large. I said, in fact, I'll take two of the larges. He says, you know, for an extra dollar, you can get the super family size, which is 25% bigger. I remember the exact percent, but that was the message. It's 25% bigger for a dollar more. You're getting all this more pizza. I'm like, no, thank you. He's all, why not? You get more. And he kept going into it, kept pushing and pushing and pushing to give me the family size. I mean, it was only a buck. He said, to him, it was like, no brainer, duh, you stupid. Why aren't you ordering this biggest pizza? You got to be the dumbest person in the world. That's how he's treating me, right? And I was to the point to where I wanted to walk out. I couldn't convince this person. I just wanted large. Now, here's the challenge. He didn't ask me why. Didn't care. He just didn't want to understand. Why? Well, in my house, we have two ovens on top of each other. They're these special Swedish ovens, they say, are the best. Not convinced, but they say they're the best. And they're a little smaller than average, and they only fit a large pizza. They don't fit a family size. If I put a family size in there, I'd have to curl up the edges, and all the cheese would roll down and melt in the middle. So the blunder being, just because you don't get it, you don't understand the person, why would they say that? That's dumb. Start asking questions and find out what is the real issue, what's going on, what's happening Because what you think and they think, I guarantee you, are two very, very different things. Now, maybe 90% of the time, 80% of the time, it's a no-brainer for someone to upgrade. But maybe they don't want that much. Maybe they're afraid that if they got that bigger pizza, they would eat it all and they don't want to eat it all. 
Maybe it's an oven issue like I had. Maybe it's too big to fit in their fridge if they're not going to cook it right away. Be aware of these issues. Open your eyes. Ask the right questions. Remember, great persuaders ask three times more questions. Thanks for being here. That's the end of Maximize Your Influence. Get into these skills. Pick one of the things we talked about today and work on it this week. Master these skills and go out and persuade with power. 